This is COVID Connections on the Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. All right, joining me on the line is Fergal Harrington from intro.ie. All about dating during COVID-19, which, according to the HSE, gets quite complicated. Uh, Fergal, good afternoon to you. Afternoon, how are you? Hey, but look, I'm looking at the HSE website there during the week. We were talking about something different and we were talking about, you know, your first interactions with your date, you know, uh, you know during COVID-19. And it's quite complicated, isn't it? It certainly is. And I suppose since lockdown uh, on the 12th or so of March, whenever it was, uh, what happened with us was we had to close the office, obviously, on, on Grafton Street, and that was annoying. But uh, we yeah, all but you, you couldn't arrange. I mean, I know Intro.ie arrange meetings between people who we are single. Dates, yeah, we, yeah. We so how do you do dates, that? So, so, so that just didn't happen, uh, obviously, between the 12th of March until the 29th of June. But what happened in that time was we got busier than we've ever gotten before in 10 years of being in existence. So people were sitting at home looking at the four walls, working longer hours than they ever have been in the past, thinking, I'm on a free dating app, I'm swipe, swiping right and left, I'm engaging with people, but then I'm, I'm kind of wasting my time. And they felt that more and more. So because I'm not allowed busier. to travel more than five kilometers or whatever it was to go and exactly. see them. Yeah. But then some people were making uh, maybe uh, ill-advised decisions to, to meet up um, and make decisions and take risks that they wouldn't have possibly taken before covid so right. you heard then there was a lot of um, even revenge porn going on whereby people would, uh, you know, do what you can imagine. Yeah. And uh, then uh, it would come back to haunt them. So there were a lot of decisions that were made that probably shouldn't be made because people were so vulnerable. So, so they were just, so, okay, okay, so people were kind of trying to have relationships or illicit yeah. relationships online, so to speak, by text and what have you, by photographs and all kind of carry on. Exactly. Okay, so, so where do you stand now? Because obviously we're in a different period now of COVID-19 where you, now you can meet, you can go your further than 20 kilometres or whatever it is, or up and down the country if you want exactly. to meet somebody, or to a different country as long as it's on a green list. And, but you, there's limitations, because if I'm looking at the, the, the guidelines for relationships or for estates, do you have to wear masks and... Uh, yeah, no, uh, no, no, we're organizing over 100 dates every single week all over the 32 counties. Right. And uh, there's over 4,000 people on the books now. And there's an eagerness there that was never there before. There's a motivation within the Irish people that prior to COVID, people, Johnny would go out with Mary and Johnny would play, uh, keep his cards close to his chest. He wouldn't express his, uh, his uh, uh, affection for Mary straight away. He'd play it cool and he'd say nothing because, you know, if she doesn't feel the same way about me, I don't want to be letting her know how I feel. Now that's changed. It's flipped. Johnny goes out on a date with Mary, and he, if he feels any sort of sense of spark, he says, Mary, I'd love to see you for a second date. So people are expressing themselves an awful lot more than they ever so have they're been keener before. So they're keener to get on with the relationship. Way more. And that taboo and that stigma that was there before isn't there anymore. People right. are much more inclined to actually say, you know what, the whole world is feeling lonely, and I'm not embarrassed to say I also do feel lonely. So they've decided, if I'm working longer hours at home now, and I'm getting back to emails from the boss straight away because I don't want to look like I'm skiving, I don't want to be putting all my eggs into one basket. I, I want to actually prioritize my future life partnership. So people are calling now, and we have appointments on the hour every hour through WhatsApp video. That's how people are joining now. They're not coming into the office, which is open again okay. on Grafton Street, but they're not coming in. They're all doing it via WhatsApp. Right. And is that, is that a preference by you, or, is, or, or would you prefer to see people? No, do you know what? I, I, a year ago, when people asked us, "I'm living up in Dunbar in in, in Bundoran, or in uh, I'm living in Tralee, can I not just meet you over Skype?" And I used to say, "No, no, 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 no. Intro is a face-to-face matchmaking agency based on Grafton Street. You have to come to Grafton Street." And I was very much like that. And then COVID happens, and we have no choice. And this is proving way more efficient because people used to use every excuse under the sun why they had no time to travel and commute up to us. Now they can't do that, and they don't do that. So they're able to. We're able to do 
on the hour every hour. Like our Saturday appointments are booked out for three months and our Sundays for five and a half, just to give you an idea. And by the way, during, during the COVID, was it a case that there's a lot more singletons now because maybe, I, I know in China, uh, the go. research came out, there was a lot of divorces after COVID-19. Is there a lot of separations and divorces where people kind of realise because they were kind of stuck together, oh, Jesus, maybe he's not the man for me after all, after 20 years. We're Is getting it, that, yeah. We're get, we'll probably hear more and more about that in the, in the coming months. But uh, in intro, I mean, because if they've just break, broken up now, they're probably going to give themselves a little bit of a break. Uh, but what we are hearing from is people who have maybe played it cool before the lockdown happened and they met a few times but they didn't actually say to the person I actually am into you what's happening uh, so people are much quicker now to actually uh, you know say yeah let's move this to the next step because for years we've been waiting I mean you'd be listening to people saying I went out with herself for five years and sure it was handier to be in the relationship than to not be even though I knew it wasn't meant to be right it wasn't yeah. right and we weren't meant for each other I still stayed in that sort of loveless almost relationship because that's what we see well, yeah, a lot of people are just content and I, I yeah. hate the word content that's, that's how I, I personally believe it's a horrible word when I talk to somebody and I say to them how are you getting on how's things ah yeah we're content <laughs> and I go that's not good enough we, that's we how a marriage is about <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, so it's much more um, it's much more enjoyable for dates as well when people yeah. are going out and they're meeting in restaurants. The restaurants now have done the whole sort of snug type partition uh, sort yeah. of thing. In so it's way more privacy. Yeah, way yeah. more privacy. So no longer do you have the or the, the issue of bridey sitting next to you listening to your every word. So there's more engagement and there's more follow through. And the, the feedback is uh, with us because we do a hundred dates a week and there's feedback done through the the staff every Monday and Tuesday. And more and more people are going on pause now and pause. Okay. Okay, finally, just in relation to, you know, when you get on the date, you yeah. guys you guys organise the date, you match people up according to their likes and dislikes, what they mm-hmm. have in common, etc., and what their preferences are, because, you know, some guys would like a taller girl or a smaller girl, and some girls would like a taller guy or a smaller guy, or professionals and all that kind of thing. So you match people up, right? So they go on the date, they like each other, and I'm getting back to the guidelines again, right? Now, the guidelines are quite specific when they talk about, do you ever discuss or give rules of play to people and say, well, look, you shouldn't take it further than this on the first date and maybe that on the second date. Do, do you give people advice on what they should and shouldn't do on a first date? No, the people who join intro are sensible grown-ups. They're from 20 to 88 years of age. We don't have to act like parents okay. uh, to them. They join, they come in, they go out on dates, they act responsibly, they will socially uh, distance themselves. But Some people might say, look, can I get a table outside or can I, uh, would you mind if, you, if I wore a mask? But others are just saying, look, we'll go and we'll sit in a restaurant that's actually adhering to the guidelines and we'll take it slow. And people are now getting to know each other a little bit more than they have done in the past. Okay. So decisions are being made based on educated sort of... Uh, Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, look, uh, thank you very much indeed, Fergal. Thank and I know you. there's lots of people out there looking for dates. Intro.ie, uh, if you're looking for somebody to be matched up to. Uh, also, by the way, uh, of course, this time of the year, well, but not just this time of the year, this part of the COVID, uh, a lot of people are suffering from isolation, uh, loneliness. And uh, we spoke yesterday to Professor uh, Ronan Collins, uh, and it was quite startling when he said, as obviously as a geriatrician, he's speaking to elderly all the time. And he said that some of the elderly people had said they didn't want to live their lives anymore because they'd missed all all, you know, the, the confirmations and communities and family outings and big parties and all those things that kind of made their life worthwhile. And they missed all that so much that some of them actually said, and it's really sad to hear people say that they, that they wouldn't want to live their lives anymore. And of course, people sometimes feel that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And for years, the Samaritans have been around to talk to people and help people through those kind of difficult times. And joining me on the line is Brian Higgins, who is a senior volunteer with Dublin's branch of the Samaritans. Good afternoon to you, Brian. Good afternoon, how are you doing? Brian, is there an increase in calls this year versus last year, you know, at this at this stage of the year uh, with calls to the Samaritans? 
we haven't, I suppose, drilled into our statistics yet, but definitely on the phones and from speaking to other volunteers, definitely there, there, there is an, an uptake in the amount of calls we're handling. And we're finding that calls are definitely longer mm-hmm. uh, and they're more intense, I suppose, around all the, the many issues that, that COVID is calling at, the, that the COVID is causing at the moment. And the, I suppose the main things for a lot of people is just, it's loneliness, isn't it? And isolation and feeling that there's no hope or they don't see a light. And it's just to try and someone to talk to, to give them that feeling again of, you know, being worth something, isn't it? it, it, it exactly. And I suppose... You often think of the textbook definition of loneliness or isolation of just one person being solitary and alone on their own physically, but someone can be isolated within a within the family home within mm-hmm. within a workplace, even in their community. So, you know, if you have a family who are going through maybe a separation or something like that or whatever, and two people are not talking to each other, and, they, and yeah. they're isolating each other in their own home, that, yeah. That, 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 that's a good example, yes. You know, mm. so yeah. I, I, I suppose, and if you look at that, that loneliness and isolation, that's been magnified by many of the, how would you say, normal routines that people have, as in, you know, and what you mentioned older people earlier, but things like social clubs, people, even just people going to the office. Or going, to, or going to the pub, and I know Professor it, it, Collins it, it, spoke it, about it, this yesterday, the pub is more yeah. than somewhere to drink, it's somewhere to yeah. meet, particularly in rural Ireland, somewhere it's to exactly. meet. Exactly. Yes. You know, and to share yeah. your problems, I suppose, you know, if you yeah. meet a friend. Yeah, to, to have a chat and to, to download. And I suppose that that element, and it's what we do, of, of being able to talk and, and just being listened to. Yeah, I mean, the Samaritans, the, the words suggest that they, you know, the Samaritans have been around since the time of Christ. But of course, they haven't. They haven't really been around that long. I mean, when, where did the Samaritans start or where did it originate? Um, it actually started in, in, in the UK. Um, by a clergyman called Chad Barr, I think about maybe 75 years ago, 70 mm. years ago, yeah, 75 years ago, roughly. Um, we've been in Ireland, we've been in Belfast, uh, I think for 70 years, just touching on, and Dublin branch is actually celebrating their 50th year. Um, mm. in and, and, and it must have been difficult for you guys as well, because like everybody, we were all affected by COVID-19. Your volunteers, I'm assuming, were, were you know affected by it and the amount of hours they could yeah, hand and, over to you. And, exactly, and we, we have... Uh, in the region of 2,300 volunteers throughout the country in, in 22 branches. And if you can imagine during COVID, a large proportion of those maybe couldn't travel or they were isolating themselves. Um, so, it, so so some of our volunteers, many of our volunteers, took up the flag by doing an extra duty or mm. two uh, during the week. So that was great. So we were able to maintain our service. Uh, and we're still maintaining it uh, throughout all the challenges. That and for people who might want to ring the Samaritans, you know, I mean, or they want to talk to somebody, yeah. uh, the, the person on the other end of the phone, uh, to them is a faceless person, obviously, it's just a voice or someone to listen to them, I suppose, more so than anything else. I mean, do the, the volunteers, and maybe this is my ignorance, do they have to be qualified, you know, uh, you know, uh, in psychology or something like that, or, or have an understanding? I mean, what what's the general criteria for volunteers? I, I, I suppose the general criteria, we are just everyday people just doing maybe something a little bit extraordinary. But we come from all works, walks of life. We go through some very rigorous and stringent training in terms of, you know, just listening skills. And we have set, you know, set protocols and procedures that, that we understand. We, we don't give advice. We're just there just to listen and to talk things through with people. But there's no, how should I say, third level qualification or anything needed. It, it's just that... It's just somebody who's a good listener. 
someone yeah. who's a good listener and someone who can empathize with whatever predicament somebody finds themselves in. Traditionally, we might have been envisaged as a line that's there for the despairing, um, and we still are. We we still are, but. I suppose what we all what we would always say to people is that if there's something on your mind or there's something troubling you, no matter how trivial you think it, trivial you think it is, if it would help to talk to someone, absolutely. Because look, we, if we look back yeah. at 2010, 2011, particularly, we had particularly high suicide rates here in Ireland. And uh, very correct. sadly, a lot of people felt there was no light at the end of the tunnel and took their own lives. Many people, I'm sure, would have called the Samaritans in around that time because we all went through very difficult financial times. Um, a lot of people are talking about that with the restrictions of COVID-19 and the lockdowns and people losing their jobs, despair, poverty and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. I suppose health and wealth are intrinsically linked. Um, I, I would imagine at this time, you know, organisations like the Samaritans are probably more important than they'll ever be. But that, that's true. And, and I mean, you know, we find that with our, with, with our callers, um, people that call us on our free phone number, it's 116123 or they can email us, joe at samaritans.ie. Um, we find that with our callers, that just being able to bounce something off someone, being able to talk things, being, being not being judged by the, the predicament that they're in, we we find that um, that that is very helpful to people. And there's we no doubt, take, there's no doubt, there's lives being saved constantly. Um, and you don't, you probably don't see that, but there is an end result where somebody talks to somebody, gets that off their chest, and a problem shared is a problem halved, as they say. Yeah, exactly. Or, or maybe someone finds by talking to someone, maybe someone can find, well, I need to do something about this, or I need to take a certain route. Yeah. And we talk people through options as well. And, mm. you know, maybe that's the impetus. We, we would say to people, talk to us before it gets to, 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 to yeah. a really bad, despairing stage. Talk now if there's something on your mind. Don't let it fester. Um, yeah. You know, we're there. We, we'll go through it with you. Talk to us. All right, well, listen, I really appreciate it. I'm sure everybody yeah. really appreciates the great work that you do. And, and I suppose, just if, if you wouldn't mind me saying, uh, um, we'd like to, you know, donations, and I suppose if people can help their, their local branches or the organization as a whole, if they log on. And um, we'd like to actually thank Keller, whose employees recently chose us as their charity of the year. And as a result of that, we should be able to take roughly... Uh, an additional 4,000 calls, actually. Well, that's brilliant. So, that's brilliant. So uh, it's just a challenging environment out there. In terms well, it's 4,000 lives, uh, 4,000 people's lives who might be better, I suppose. I suppose <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. So that's great. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed. If people do want to donate, of course, you can go onto the website or indeed, if you do need to talk to somebody and you want to talk to the Samaritans, you can. The number, it's a double number, 016123. That's 116123. Thank you very much indeed. And I appreciate you coming on. Oh. Uh, that is Brian Higgins, Senior Volunteer with the Dublin branch of the Samaritans. Now, now, let me go to Ronan Clooney. Ronan, good afternoon to you. Hi, Niall. How are you? Ronan, this, you know, this to me is, is quite a complicated situation because about 20,000 college applicants who applied for courses this year on the basis of leaving set results they achieved in previous years, in other words, you reapplied to, kind of, to, to do it again, so to speak, um, you're now being disadvantaged by this new system. Um, maybe you could explain that to me. For some people, that might be a little bit complicated, but maybe from your position, explain that to people, how it affects you and what effect it's having on these 20,000 people. Yeah, perfect. Well, essentially, we are going in with points based off previous years, as you said. So in any other year, we face the bell curve when we sit our exams, which means there can only be, for example, 6% of H1s in Irish, such a percent in English, so on and so forth. And that kind of regulates grades across the board and keeps everything on a fair playing field year on year. Okay. 
this year in the system, there wasn't the same level of standardization applied because obviously there wasn't a leaving cert. And something I just want to say really quickly now is this is no issue with this year's leaving cert cohort. We think they deserve what they've been given. For example, the removal of school profiling and stuff like that. Yeah. Our issue is the department didn't take the time to make this a fair playing field. We're now looking at a position where, for example, there was 166% extra H1s on last year. There was 54% extra in geography, 49% Irish, so on and so forth. We are now in a position where our points don't hold up on this year. There isn't the same rate of standardisation across the board. No, because we, we, we just heard on the news there a few minutes ago that yeah, they've made extra CSO points available because this, of course, would be a record year for the highest exactly. amount of, the highest points given out. Yeah, we are seeing now, it's fantastic that we are starting to see some action taken on this. It's a shame it took so long. I know I personally have been in contact with people about this since early May. Um, Norma Foley, who obviously is Minister for Education now, before she was the Minister for Education, when she was in opposition, she raised it with Joe McHugh while he was Minister for Education, so it can't be said she wasn't aware this was an issue. It's a shame we are seeing such late movement on this. And while we are being told there will be some extra places provided, we haven't been told if this will help to decrease the points. They're saying it should to some extent, but we aren't being told with any certifiable that actually this will. Simon Harris himself in the doll this morning there was a question and answer for him, obviously, as the Minister for Further and Higher Education. And he said that, well, points are still going to go up, probably. He recommended that people need to have a plan B in place. What he doesn't realise is a lot of the people who are reapplicants have done a plan B. So the point is that you would have been definitely in the running, uh, so to speak, because I know you took a year out to work, so you yes. applied through the CAO, the CAO this year. So you would, based on the averages every year for the last 10 years, you would have been definitely in the running to oh, get whatever course yeah, what you wanted. first two choices, for example, I'm yeah. not going to go into detail about what and where because it's not an individual It's not scenario. relevant, yes, of course. But I would have, there's never been such a jump where I would have been locked out of either of my first two courses. But now, even if we see something as simple as they're saying that it's a 4.4% grade increase across the board. Supposedly, once you go over 500 points, it's a 10% increase. Mm-hmm. But even if it was something as simple as a 500-point course, seeing that 4% increase, that's 20 points. That's an extortionate jump, and that's a jump that courses wouldn't see in a regular year. Yeah, well, it's 20 points between, you know, between getting a course and not getting a course. 20 points is more than two grades, yeah. and I think anyone last year would have been doing very good to pull themselves up two so, grades. Okay, but the, the only answer to this is to make more places available, isn't it, in the courses? That's the only answer to that's it. That's what we'd be hoping. There was different solutions put forward, such as putting extra places where reapplicants just compete amongst themselves for them. Simon Harris said on legal advice they've been told that can't happen because people can't get in on less points than points requirements. Would it, would it not have been an idea from the start, it's too late now to do it, but yes. would it not have been an idea from the start to take all 20,000 of those applicants, those people who mm-hmm. had basically taken the year out to reapply this year, and grade them based on what they would have got last year had they been That's, graded on the Leaving Cert this year? There's a lot of different solutions to this. Like, obviously, I know if I look at the points I got last year, I can see whatever percentile I landed in. So be that the 80 to 85th percentile. The government this year could essentially look at that, say, well, the 80 to 85th percentile this year got an average increase of such percent. 
inflate us by that. Simon Harrison says... That, that would be today, simple enough to do, yes. Yeah, he said that could happen, but it seems to be now it's like too little, too late, it's a lot of work. Well, don't well they don't have much time, done. they've only got a week left, or a week That's and a half, it, yeah. But ultimately, it's not our fault if the government didn't have the foresight here. We've raised the issue. I have correspondence from different TDs and ministers saying, not to worry about it, we won't be seeing a great increase. Then come to results date, we did see the grade increase, and now we're being told, oh, too late, we'll wait and see on Friday. Okay, so, so to, in your mind, there's only two options here, so that we make more courses available. I don't think that's going to be humanly possible for all 20,000 people who want to apply, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so the other option is, is that everybody who did their Leaving Cert last year and took this break off for a year, like you did, for example, to reapply this year, be giving a 5% increase in their points. It, it doesn't even have to be that 4.4%. They can look at where you would have landed this year based off well, where you Well, I think that would be logical. I, th- I think yeah. it, when, when you look at the figures and what we were told during the week, that uh, on average the, the grades were calculated about 5% oh, yeah. higher there's, than average, that, that would be fair enough. Said, there's numerous solutions to this. It's just frustrating to see the government take the stance so, of, well, we're not, not everyone about gets it. what they want, <laughs> yeah. you know, take your plan B. Like, people have taken plan B routes last year. There's people who... No, 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 I, I get it. You've been unfairly disadvantaged and exactly. it has to be sorted out. All we're looking for, we're not looking for preferential treatment. I'm not looking for Simon Harris to come down, knock on my door and say, congrats, Ronan, you're allowed <laughs> into your first choice. We understand that's not going to happen. You just want a fair playing field. We want a level playing field here. Yeah, and absolutely. I don't think that should be too much to ask for. All right, Every we'll other let- year, the leaving start has been standardised. It has been a fair playing field. People from 2017 or 18 who were reapplying last year, they were in a player, fair playing field. Our issue now is, like, when, for example, another point of this is, when we were filling out the CAO and the CAO was shutting, the point we were being told is there won't be a great increase. Fill it out as normal, there won't be. There's people I know whose last choice is 20 below what they have. Any other year, that's fine they would get that. That's not a worry. This year, we are likely to see that go up and people are going to be entirely locked out and forced essentially to take another year out already after taking one for whatever reason. Um, and by the way, that other year, I mean, you're talking about now, there has been suggestions that they may be grading next year as well because there's an argument that students missed out on six months of education. So so we don't even know what's going to happen next year. 2021 is another issue. The other side of that as well is if there's people this year who, for example, expected to get and lower appeals. points than yeah. they were given, there's nothing to stop them from taking the year out, as we did, for example. As I know people who got, did better than expected and said, oh, my CAO doesn't reflect actually where I landed. Take the year out, put down those higher points courses. And if next year they do go ahead with the leaving cert and things go back to normal, are next year's students going to be disadvantaged because the applicants will be above them as well? I, I get you. I think the whole thing is a little bit of a mess at the moment, but I think there is some simple solutions to it uh, that would sort it out very, very quickly, but we need the political will to do it. Listen, thank you very much indeed for explaining it to us because it is quite a complicated situation, but I absolutely understand that you're being disadvantaged as well as the other 20,000 students. Thank you. That's Ronan uh, Cloney in relation to the CAO and what is happening. And I know there's a lot of college students all looking forward to getting to college. It's all happening, isn't it, in the next week or so. Maybe you have a student. Let us know. Uh, the number is 87 if you're a parent and you're in that situation. COVID Connections on the Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.